Welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. This is part number 28 in our series called Psychology on Vinyl, uh, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. Now, the record this time is one of those albums that quietly appeared hung out in the background, but was life-changing for many, many people that have heard it. Even famous people. Jimmy Page considered this album his favorite album of that decade when it was released. Bob Dylan named this artist one of the great songwriters of the decade. David Bowie considered this record one of the best albums ever made and had said that it would be one of his 10 Desert Island records. Today, we are going to be checking out the album Grace, which was the only studio album by singer-songwriter Jeff Buckley. It was released on August 23rd, 1994. Now, this record has the tendency to be both dark and gloriously light at the same time. I heard it around 1997 for the first time, personally. And when I heard it, there were two songs in particular that hooked me to this artist from this album. And that was all she wrote from there. Uh, he's just an incredible artist. He's unbelievable. I think I'm going to start by getting into this episode by kind of touching on those two songs to get this going. Since that's how I started on this artist, they're both on this record. We'll talk about those first. Uh, first off though, a little history. Uh, Jeff Buckley's father was the artist, Tim Buckley. Uh, Jeff Buckley though, was by all means his own man musically. Uh, he could play shredding guitar. I mean, he was capable of amazing soloing and all that, but on his own work, he held back and concentrated on songwriting itself. His voice, uh, it's extremely original. And when you see the live versions online of these songs, I, I don't know, his voice, at least in my opinion, is either just as good, if not better, live than on the records, if you can believe that. So what two songs stood out for me? Well, one of them is called Lover, You Should Have Come Over. Ah, wow. This one changed my world upon first listen. If you wanted to, you could rename this song something like Why It's Never a Good Idea or Right or Worth It to Cheat on Someone. That'd be a great name for this song. Don't Cheat would be another one. The words, essentially, he's in anguish because of his bad decision making. And he sounds completely lost and completely broken. He knows it's his fault. Listen to these words. First, he sets the tone with this. Looking out the door, I see the rain fall on the funeral mourners, parading in a wake of sad relations as their shoes fill up with water. 
there's an atmosphere for you, right? This is his mindset here. He continues, well, sometimes a man gets carried away when he feels like he should be having his fun, but much too blind to see the damage he's done. Yeah, sometimes a man must awake to find that, really, he has no one. Then things get even heavier, and he sings, Lonely is the room, the bed is made, the open window lets the rain in. Burning in the corner is the only one who dreams he had you with him. My body turns and yearns for a sleep that won't ever come. It's never over, my kingdom for a kiss upon her shoulder. It's never over, all my riches for her smiles when I slept so soft against her. It's never over, all my blood for the sweetness of her laughter. It's never over, she is a tear that hangs inside my soul forever. Just reading that, you get it. But what I can't convey here is the voice on this record delivering these words. It's gut-wrenching, honest, painful, and effective. He blew it. He knows it. And much of this album carries that theme in the lyrics. It's very human. The other song that blew me away and has never stopped being a touching piece of work after countless listens is, is his version of the song Lilac Wine, which was written in 1950. Now, for my money, his is the best rendition of this song ever. Better than Elkie Brooks, better than Eartha Kitt, better than Nina Simone, which seriously is saying something. This, in my opinion, this track is one of the prettiest vocals ever laid down in history by a male artist. I mean, when I first heard this, I thought, is this for real? I mean, that voice. It's almost campy. But he's so believable. And again, the message is trying to bring a woman back through drunken visions since there's no way she's coming back in reality. It is so, so gorgeous, especially the end. Uh, there was pain emerging from these vocal cords that one just can't fake. And the subject continues to repeat itself again on most of the other songs. On the song, Last Goodbye, he sings, this is our last goodbye. I hate to feel the love between us die, but it's over. Just hear this and then I'll go. You gave me more to live for, more than you'll ever know. The bells out in the church tower chime, burning clues into this heart of mine, thinking so hard on her soft eyes and the memory offer signs that it's over. On the song Grace, he sings, the rain is falling and I believe my time has come. It reminds me of the pain I might leave, leave behind. On the song Mojo Pin, he sings, if only you'd come back to me, if you laid at my side, 
wouldn't need no mojo pin to keep me satisfied. Then there's his version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Uh, many find this too to be at least one of the definitive versions of this song. Buckley's version was on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Uh, the same year, Time Magazine called Buckley's version exquisitely sung, observing, quote, Buckley treated the song like a tiny capsule of humanity, using his voice to careen between glory and sadness, beauty and pain. It's one of the great songs. In 2017, the International Observer named Buckley's version of Hallelujah, quote, the greatest performance and song of all time. I actually have a little personal insight into Jeff Buckley. I never met the man. Um, but in my interviewing days, I got to know Chris Dowd a little bit from the bad band Fishbone. Now, Chris actually considered Jeff Buckley to be his best friend. They lived together for two years. They even worked together on a project called the CD Orchestra, which, by the way, if you look it up, there's an amazing track that you need to hear, especially if you like reggae, called Despite the Tears. It's worth it. Chris mentioned that in 1989, he'd met a girl and they became really good friends. That was right before the Fishbone record, The Reality of My Surroundings, came out. Well, Chris was in a bad place. He said he really wanted the album to be their classic, their Electric Ladyland or their London Calling record. He was down on himself and his friend was complimentary and supportive. She showed up one night during one of those famous Los Angeles rainstorms and picked him up. He got in her car and rolled his window down to feel the rain a little bit and to feel the air and didn't realize until shortly after that there was someone behind him in the back seat. It was Jeff Buckley. Uh, they'd never met. Chris said, I'm so sorry, as he was sure that his window being down got him all wet back there. But according to Chris, he warmly smiled and said, I'm fine. That was Jeff. See, he was sympathetic to what Chris must have been feeling. Per Chris, that's how he was all the time. The kind of person who felt what you were feeling. Psychology Today had a piece on people like this. It said, there are people who rank high on the empathetic spectrum and actually feel what is happening in others and their own bodies. As a result, these ones can experience deep compassion for others, but they often get exhausted from feeling too much unless they somehow figure out how to develop strategies to safeguard their sensitivities and set boundaries. It also takes highly sensitive people longer to wind down, for example, after a busy day, since their system's ability to transition from high stimulation to being quiet is usually slower. These ones share a highly sensitive person's love of nature and quiet environments. However, their capacity for highly developed intuition and their tendency to be an emotional sponge who absorbs the stress of the world sets them apart from someone who is just sensitive to excessive sensory stimulation. 
you feel for everybody. I think that's going on here with this artist. He hurts a person. He knows he hurt that person. He not only feels his hurt, but he feels their hurt at the same time. Think about this. Here's a part of his early life. His biological father, Tim Buckley, was a singer-songwriter who released a series of mostly folky, I guess you could say jazz albums too, in the 1960s and early 70s. But Jeff only met him one time, and that was at the age of eight. So that's the beginning of his life. Moving to the end of his life at age 30, on the evening of May 29th, 1997, Jeff's band flew to Memphis to join him in his studio to work on new material. That same evening, he went swimming in a channel off the Mississippi River. All accounts say from there, he vanished. Uh, apparently, the wake of a tugboat swept him away from shore and pulled him underwater. A rescue effort that night and in the morning by scuba teams didn't find anything until on June 4th. And remember, it was May 29th when he went out there. On June 4th, passengers on a riverboat spotted him, and he obviously was gone. Knowing that, does that affect the listening experience of the Grace album, the only studio album during his lifetime released? For me, probably. See, he, because of that, kind of graduated from a very, very sensitive figure to a tragic one. But this record is a testament to one of the great voices of a generation who, who sang his songs in the shadows of the superstars, but who would go on to shine even brighter as time would have it. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this Psychology on Vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, Jeff Buckley, Grace playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash Jeff Buckley, Grace I pulled 10 songs posthumously. They pulled an 11 one on there, and I don't, I didn't know that one. So I'm going to go with the 10 that I, I knew this album as being. And if you want to look up bonus tracks or other things, that's great. But here's the 10 songs. Number one is Mojo Pen. Number two is Grace. The third one is Last Goodbye, followed by The Incomparable. Lilac Wine, then we have So Real, Hallelujah, Lover, You Should Have Come Over, Corpus Christi Carol, Eternal Life, and Dream Brother. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Jeff Buckley Grace. Guys, this show simply would not exist without you. If you could do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. 
if you're so inclined, that would be amazing. But whether you do or whether you don't, just feel free to enjoy this show. Listen to it anytime you want to. Uh, we have a lot of these record reviews like this from a psychological level, and I hope you enjoy them. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by none other than Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor. And remember, there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll catch you next time. 